Welcome to Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 2, Episode 15, Pirates. The original air date for this episode was February 9th, 1987. It was directed by Bruce Kessler, and it was written by Stephen Candell, who writes a lot of MacGyver episodes, a lot of great ones. Um, this one, I think you would probably agree with me. Maybe they came up with the title first. Yeah, it worked backwards. Yeah, I think I think so. <laughs> That's my theory. Um, why don't we discuss uh, the synopsis in brief? <laughs> uh, in this episode of MacGyver, a uh, group of divers have discovered the potential location of a lost treasure fleet, and uh, a group of pirates have stolen the piece, the key piece to, the, to discovering where it is, because uh, they want it for themselves. Um, and we start with these two uh, treasure hunters, the the good guy treasure hunters. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's is, is the first scene them on the beach. Uh, the yeah, the first scene is is, is uh, a lot of stock footage. Yeah, a lot. It, it's and it's all over the place from like the '60s, the '70s, the '80s. I mean, it's all kinds of military history going on yeah. here. Um, it's supposed to be showing a demonstration of a naval and uh, bombardment of a beach. Right. I think the goal of the exercise is to show that bombarding it from destroyers and airplanes bombing these minefields on this beach isn't enough to accurately, completely destroy all the mines. Right. So they call in the Navy SEALs, who then storm the beach carefully and precision detonate the mines that they find. That's what but, I feel. But the, the mines are not hidden at all. It's well, like these giant bunkers all yeah, over the beach. Yeah. For for this demonstration. Yeah. They're even all like tied off like yeah. the, there was like ropes and stuff like indicating that do not go over here yeah so um we're just kind of getting an, a glimpse of these tactics going off we were cut to live footage of mac pete and uh uh one of the lead soldier um commander nelson yeah who's just kind of like basically there's like there's like a little bit of like like banter between them and him how he's saying like the marines always need the navy yeah, SEAL's got to clean everything up first, and then yeah. the, then the Marines can come and yeah. take over. So, uh, and so we just kind of get a quick de- demonstration of what's going on. And the reason that MacGyver and Pete are there is because the Navy SEALs have been smeared in the, in the news lately because a group of pirates have been attacking vessels on the Cal- off the California coast using tactics that the Navy SEALs would use. Yeah. Uh, how the people who have been attacked know that they were using SEAL tactics or what their what? other targets were, were not sh- n- told. Also, are, are we ever told why these guys know SEAL tactics? Gar, who we'll discover, is the leader of the pirates. He was in the Navy, and I guess he tried to be get into the SEALs, but they rejected him. Yeah. And I guess when his, whatever, his tour was up in the Navy, he left. But he learned enough that he could train other people to do it. Correct. To storm people's boats and steal their stuff. Yeah. The, the, this is what he learned. Yeah. So uh, from here is where we kind of get go out to the open sea, where we have Gar and his two men, uh, Bell and Rogan. Uh, They're on their boat, the Scarab, or mm-hmm. the... What yeah. does it say on the back of the boat? It's, it's a like, Scarab on the side, but yeah, I can't um, remember. It's, it's like, like the... The uh, Grey Death or something. Yeah, like it's that. like yeah, something like that. I can't remember. Um, but it, yeah, it's a it's 
Pete will call it a smuggler's boat. I, I traditionally know them as cigarette boats. Yeah, they call it um, a cigarette boat. Okay, too, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's just a really high-speed watercraft. Yeah. Gen- generally, it's something you would see like in Florida, in the Keys and Florida and stuff like that. Yeah. Where there's a lot more like different countries and places to smuggle stuff from. Not really off the California coast, where there's really not anywhere to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we have Dr. Barbara Ortega, mm-hmm. um, and she's on her boat with her... Her crew. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they've just pulled a chest up on board from a diving From a expedition. dive, yeah. Yeah, we don't see the dive. We just see the, the, the chest that's brought back up. Yeah. And it's been a... She says it's been sealed in pitch. Um, I'm assuming that could be pine pitch, but it could also... I mean, that's another word for tar, too. Yeah. Uh, Barbara Ortega, uh, the actress who's playing her, is uh, Marta Dubois. Getting a little, another Marta in there, too, which right. is nice. Um, Marta Dubois... Uh, this is the first name this time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I only really... I recognized her immediately because uh, she is one of my favorite Villain of the Weeks from uh, Star Trek The Next Generation where she plays uh, Ardra, who's the, the basically the devil for this particular planet. Oh, interesting. Uh, and uh, I, well, I want to say the episode's called like The Devil's Do or Dance with the Devil or something like that. I actually don't know the title. I'm embarrassed. Um but uh, she is the devil who's shown up on this planet to claim it because that's like the contract that uh, the, these people on this planet have made that in like a thousand years the devil will return and uh, uh, claim it. We just looked it up. It was called The Devil's Due. So, haha. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, she is so great as like this imposing figure because she is just toying with Picard this whole time and she's so smug and confident. Um, and she does like these little like magic power things like Q. Um, oh, nice. Uh, spoiler alert. She's just a con artist and he's been using like clever uh, teleporting. Maybe Q is too. We don't know. Q Actually, is a con artist. Sure yeah, Q is a con <laughs> artist. Just like he was on MacGyver. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, she, she's great. And as soon as I saw her, I was like, oh my God, it's Ardra. Um, I was so excited. And you said her hair is pretty much the same in that episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I, or like it's just kind of like crazy frizz. Yeah. Um, she probably just finished treasure hunting right before they shot that episode mm-hmm. of Star Trek. Uh, but yeah, it's a good episode of Star Trek. Cool. But uh, so she starts just chiseling Hammering away, at, away it. at it yeah she's like oh my gosh what if the contents are still in one piece and then she starts smashing it with a hammer yeah uh in, in just like right out in the open air yeah uh so gar and his men are kind of watching on and uh letting them be distracted by their work while they dive under the water and kind of make a silent approach and they get the chest open and inside there's there's some some gold and some and some jewels, but what she's really excited about is uh, the logs. Yeah, the ship's log that has that has the potential course corrections that the captain made, um, which will indicate where the Spanish galleon yeah. went down with well, yeah, potentially sixty million dollars worth yeah, of. They don't say why the fleet went down. They never say if it encountered a storm or if they encountered like Portuguese or other ships like that that were out there. I also wonder if this is standard procedure to like. All right, well, um, we got uh, another uh, long day's sail ahead of us. Why don't we take all the logs and throw them overboard? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? Are we ever going to come back for it? No, you can't really do that. <laughs> but, someone's going to find this centuries from now. Why, why do we write all this stuff down if we were just going to throw it overboard? 
Don't worry about it. Yeah, don't don't worry. I don't, don't. understand why these. I I understand when you find logs on a sunken ship. Mm-hmm. I don't understand finding logs with course corrections in a chest by itself. Yeah, for a ship, for a different ship. Yes. Like, how did this? If get you're out looking here? for a ship and you find the logs, you probably already found the ship. Because. Because they should stay with the ship. Yeah, exactly. Um, but in any case, uh, uh, the ship they're looking for is called uh, the Nuestra Señora. Right. Try to get that as authentic as possible. That's pretty good. I, I'm uh, impressed. And, uh, Which means the new the Señora. New, the new Señora. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, so while they're kind of like cataloging stuff on the on the bow of their dive boat, that's when Gar and... Uh, Bell is the the one that comes up on with him. Yeah, is uh, that's when they just kind of like take him by surprise at gunpoint. Yeah, um, which even if like if I was on a boat and I found a treasure map essentially mm-hmm. to sixty million dollars worth of treasure, if I saw bubbles coming up and was like, oh my gosh, there's a diver in trouble, let's get out of here. Yeah. That would be my next thing. Like we have potentially sixty million dollars on this boat. I'm not going to try and help a stranger right now. Well, yeah, and yeah, because that's how Guard distracts them by setting up like a signal balloon. Yeah. And they say, oh, a diver's in trouble. But I was like, what diver? There's no other boats around. You guys were just underwater. Remember yeah. when you got this treasure chest? Yeah. Wouldn't you be worried that the diver is trying to disturb your sight? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It just seems like a really odd distraction. But she's not remotely suspicious that we just pulled treasure on board and suddenly someone needs help nearby. Yeah. I would be, like, really scared even just taking it out of the water. Mm-hmm. But they're taken by surprise. Right. And uh, Gar uh, and Bell pack everything up and then push them uh, below decks. And and I guess the captain of their dive boat tries to fight back a little bit, but yeah. uh, Bell just kind of clobbers him a little down, bit. Yeah. Not knocked down, but, yeah, hit pretty hard. Yeah. And uh, so they're down below as Rogan, the other pirate, brings the cigarette boat alongside and uh, we're kind of given this, uh, we're kind of showing uh, Barbara listening in and hearing the boat engine noise because it's going to be important later. Yeah. Um, but she wants to go up above deck to try to identify them or at least get the name of the boat. But they just start opening fire on the, uh, the, the crew cabin above, the, above decks and make their getaway that way. Like they, under cover of fire, they make their getaway. Yeah. And it's a really hard cut from that to... MacGyver saying, the pirate struck again, and I went to go talk to the victim. Yeah. And it's just him walking to meet Barbara. There's no there's no transition of them being alerted. I feel like there was something missing, like, from these two scenes. Yeah. Like, there was a scene of Pete and MacGyver getting the call and getting Barbara's name and, and all that. But it just comes right into him walking into frame, Barbara Ortega, I'm MacGyver. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's kind of strange. But... She gives him a really long explanation of why they're looking for the ship, uh, that the institute that she owns, the Ortega Institute, needs money. And it was also her father's dream to find the treasure and give it back to the people of colonial Spain. Right. Which is kind of weird. Yeah. Like, I thought when when I when she said that, I thought she meant, like, the Native In Americans. Spain or... Oh, I thought I thought she meant the Native Americans, yeah, but who were living in California before the Spanish got there. Because she yeah. said to to the original owners of colonial Spain, it's like, you yeah. mean the Indians? <laughs> yeah, you mean the Aztecs? Yeah, they 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 were here, and the Spanish. No, no, no. The original owners, like the people who got the gold from the Indians. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> finders keepers. Yeah. 
Um, and we're going to keep saying Indians. Because yeah. Because that's how we roll, apparently. Yeah. Sorry. Native Americans. <laughs> uh, I just want to know that, the, that that's what we're talking about. Right. Um, uh, but but she's actually going to give it to... Uh, of the foundation that's going to help these children, children from war-torn yeah. countries. and That also we're not told about. Yeah. Uh, we we see we see two injured kids later, and she just says that war. They, yeah, this ho- is from war, and it's like, oh man, you got to stop using kids as soldiers. <laughs> In California. Yeah. Um, but while they're kind of uh, chatting it up uh, about some of the other previous finds that they have, Gar is standing right behind them. Yeah, they're they're walking around this maritime museum, and Gar. Um, whose face was kind of exposed during their whole pirate yeah. attack, um, has decided to disguise himself with like just a pair of like big rim glasses. Mm-hmm. He had what was called the the reverse Batman, <laughs> right? Yeah, where Batman's just... face, just his mouth, is exposed. Their entire like nose and eye line, which yeah. I think is much more helpful than a mouth, yeah, uh, is exposed when they when they hijack the boat or rob the boat. Yeah, and uh, so he overhears them talking about these the gold coins and everything and just kind of shoves his way between the two of them and says, Hey, so, uh, what were you saying about these coins? How much are they worth? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, neither one of them finds this suspicious at all. Yeah. And the guy says, or, uh, Ortega says, Oh, they can be worth as many as a thousand dollars, probably less to, um, a dealer, a dealer because the, they know what it's actually worth, but a collector would pay a thousand. He's like, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, where can I get one? Which is like a roundabout way of asking where could I unload the ones that I have. Right, right. And she says, oh, well, there's this, this corporation, corporation and... that has like all the coins. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's kind of like, and he just kind of exits the scene temporarily. Yeah, he's like, oh, thank you. And MacGyver doesn't skip a beat, just goes right back into whatever they were yeah. saying before. And they wander around the, the whole area talking about... Okay, so what did they take? They took these logs. Oh, mm-hmm. and those logs, what is the purpose of these logs? Well, they could find this other ship. Okay, well, what's on that ship? Uh, $60 million worth of yeah. stuff. And MacGyver's like, wow, these criminals don't even know what they have. And he says it just loud enough for the same guy to hear them right yeah. behind them. Yeah, like he, he, they say that right as they're walking by, and you see Gar would like take his sunglasses off and kind of like bite the, the, the arm in, yeah. in thought like the reveal of him turning around at the this phone booth on the wall yeah. and just tapping like his glasses to his chin just like in thought yeah just, menacingly it's so perfect and yeah. turning around um we should also bring up uh there was a brief scene where they're trying the pirates are trying to unload the cigarette boat right on, they're uh, trying to sell it to a guy yeah um arnie Lindquist is the character uh who owns this uh boatyard and so they're trying to basically use the boat as a trade-in on uh, this small sailboat. And uh, because B- the Gar's plan was to just take the money that they had and and live off of it for a couple of years before they have to start robbing again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they thought, you know, oh. Which, which I actually really think, I kind of like this whole situation with Gar and Rogan and Bell in that, like... We're gonna sail around the world, guys. This is yeah. gonna be great. Like, yeah, this was like a MacGyver plan at one point. Yeah, it, it, it's so work for some pirates. <laughs> sail around the world. <laughs> I just think it's funny that that Gar is gonna spend a couple of years hanging out with these two guys. Yeah, like that they're that close. But they also don't seem that close because, um, one of his two henchmen is very hesitant to be involved mm-hmm. in any part of this plan. Like he he didn't 
seemed to have a problem with the initial pirate attack, but he also wasn't there for it. I yeah. mean, he was he was driving the boat. That was it. He mm-hmm. was the getaway driver. And then here he's like really upset with them talking about any kind of kidnapping. Yeah, yeah. And then later on he'll freak out even more. Mm-hmm. But uh, but he'll continue to go along with everything. Yeah, I don't know. he's in too deep. He knows yeah, it. Yeah. He knows he's in too deep. He tries. He he voices his opinion. Right. It, you know they and Gar takes note, but. This is what we're doing. Maybe at this point, I would have changed the title of the episode to "In Too Deep." I feel like that works for oh. water stuff. Hmm. That's, good. That's also a good pun. But then you have to have it be about him actually trying to get out. And yeah, and pirates isn't actually a pun either. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's literally just literally pirates. They were just like, "We should do a pirates episode." We have all these boats, and they were like, "All right, so what are they trying to find? <laughs> Sunken treasure? What are you? What are you trying to <laughs> yeah. find with pirates?" <laughs> Obviously, sunken treasure. Well, that's a little unrealistic, right? No, no, no. There's still sunken treasure. What so. what I like is that um, there's an identically titled episode of Briscoe County Junior oh, is called there? Pirates, and it's, it's not about, about sunken treasure. Is no, it? it's about land pirates. Oh, land pirates! <laughs> but the guy who's buried a la- treasure. The, the land pirate is a sea pirate who's who misses the ocean, but John Bly hired him to be one of his gang. So now he he basically is a pirate on land yeah and he's but he still talks like a salty old pirate yeah that's awesome <laughs> uh it's a decent episode does he have a stagecoach with a giant mast yeah he's got like does cannons really? on a stagecoach and everything oh my it's god that's great. awesome i was joking uh, oh man that's such a good show yeah. i need to rewatch this episode yeah it's a good episode um and uh so now uh what they're going to do with barbara is the pirates are going to kidnap her yeah. And have her decode the log because it's it's in Spanish, which I'm sure Gar probably has a grasp of or could get a translator. But this is old world Spanish. You have to remember, this is before Babblefish. Yeah. <laughs> before the Hitchhiker's Guide Babblefish or the website? Both. Okay. <laughs> is that true? I don't know. When did Hitchhiker's Guide come out? Hitchhiker, Hitchhiker's Guide had to be in the 70s, 60s or 70s. Okay, so this, you have to remember, this is after the Babblefish. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you have to remember that, but it's very important. Um, uh, yeah, because they need someone to read the old old world Spanish. Even though Mouth in the Goonies didn't seem to have any trouble reading the map old world Spanish. Right. He even knew how to say ye. But he's pretty good, though. Yeah, that's true. He knows he's, what he's doing. He's fluent. Um, adios, senorita. Sorry. <laughs> Nuestra senorita. <laughs> um, so... Uh, at the Phoenix Foundation, they have Barbara, and they're going to have her listen to Sounds of Boats. Right. And but And that, that honestly, that's what it should have been, listening to Sounds of Boats. Mm-hmm. They should have been playing it on a tape recorder. But instead, because television, as you may well know, is a visual medium. Yeah. As opposed to, say, podcasts. <laughs> um, uh, so they're playing video of boats, which, uh, if you know anything about... Uh, video production Mm -hmm. you know that if you see a shot of a boat racing through the water that it was shot from a helicopter yeah and the helicopter is louder than a boat and that the sound was added later probably from a stock bank of boat sounds so and probably not matching the boat it's entirely likely that the sound you're hearing is not the actual sound of the boat you're seeing um it's it's actually most likely that you're not hearing the actual Mm -hmm. sound that that boat made um unless it's like a really advanced production where they're making yeah. a point to be accurate. So uh, what would have made more sense would just be playing audio for her on a tape recorder mm-hmm. or something. But they're doing it on the TV, which is a freeze frame of a TV with 
video like overlaid on it. Yeah, overlaid on this freeze frame of television. Uh, but she's able to pick it out of the lineup essentially. Mm, yeah, yeah. Then they determine it to be a smuggler's boat, aka cigarette boat. He's like, oh, okay. Well, listen to this one. This is an upstanding citizen's boat. Is that no? Okay. What about this one? This is a law enforcer's boat. No. Okay. Now this one's a smuggler's boat. Does this sound like? Yeah, that, that's that it. Sounds that's like the it. one. Okay. Well, we probably should have just played this first. I mean, it's a smuggler's boat. So they, I guess they, from here, it's not really clear, but I guess they put out inquiries to uh, boat yards. And it looks like MacGyver has access to some kind of a database and is mm-hmm. able to tell that there's a. There's a marina in Marina del right. Rey that has four cigarette boats that are, whoa, like, registered. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on. Hold on. Marina del Rey has a marina? It turns out there's a marina in Marina del Rey. <laughs> I assume that's It's where, not just a clever name. I assume that's where the king is, because Marina del Rey means the marina of the king. That's right. But I guess these feelers that they put out worked because um, Arnie, the boatyard owner, uh, calls them and says that he's going to call them back. Right. Because Barbara wasn't there at the time. Um, so they're waiting for the call back, and in the meantime, uh, uh, I think it's Rogan, because Rogan's been following Dr. Ortega, Barbara, to uh, get a routine so they can kidnap her. Right. And he overhears that they're waiting for a call from Arnie, and so when Rogan reports back, uh, Gar has to go back to the boatyard and take care of him. Yeah. So... Arnie's already he like it has to have a very active conversation. With yeah, him. exactly. And he just like gut stabs Arnie on the docks. Yeah. And uh, that's when Rogan freaks out. He's like, you know, kidnapping is one thing. This is way over the line. Yeah. Um, and they just tell him to put the body on the boat. It's like well, ugh. he says they're gonna dump it in the ocean. Is the plan? Yeah, but they don't go for like another day. Yeah, yeah. Like till the end of the day. Even the end of the day, Arnie's just be... bleeding out in the boat. Ugh. Help. <laughs> He's fine. <laughs> he only stabbed him once, right? Yeah. He must have just shook it around in there. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> because it's like it's like a stiletto switchblade, so it just goes... <laughs> he just keeps going in and out with it, like oh, a God. clicker clicking a ballpoint pen. <laughs> That's rough. He had a harsh death. While Mac and Barbara are searching the database, they get a call... And, uh, uh, oh, yeah, there's a really weird line because Max going through the database and, uh, he tells her there are five cigarette boats in Marina del Rey, like right. we said. Yeah. And he said, and Max says, so that's where we start looking tomorrow if Lindquist falls through. And then she immediately says, and I guess that's where we start looking tomorrow. I was like, that, that's literally what the I same sentence said. that MacGyver said. It adds no new meaning. I, I was like. I had to go back twice. I was like, did she just repeat what he said as a line? Maybe she's just, like, upset that they're not going to go check today. I I almost was wondering if she was reading the wrong line of the script and no one caught it. And they just left it in the cut. Yeah. It, it was so strange. Because it's almost verbatim. Yeah. Uh, but then the phone, uh, the phone rings, but it doesn't ring. It beeps. Um, and he just answers Pete's phone. Yeah, he just answers it. Um, every I like that MacGyver does everything in Pete's office. Yeah. MacGyver is in Pete's office more than Pete well, is. MacGyver doesn't have an office, I don't think. <laughs> That's like, true. He's never at a desk at the Phoenix Foundation. Yeah. Um, he, he should, though. It should be like uh, Teddy Valiant's desk. Like, all just covered in dust. Yeah. 
No one, no one's <laughs> that touched would be funny, it. yeah. Uh, but um, it, it's a phone call for Barbara, and it's uh, Rogan pretending to be Arnie calling back about the cigarette boat, saying to come and look at the cigarette boat to see if maybe it's the same one. Even though they didn't see it, uh, it's kind of weird. Yeah, so, does this look the same as the boat you didn't see? <laughs> So does the it sound, sound the like... same as every cigarette boat on the planet? But maybe maybe their feelers also put out to if there are any suspicious characters. So Did the cigarette boat that you saw have Arnie dead in the back of it? <laughs> Did it sound like a pirate boat? Did it sound like a guy going, help? <laughs> <laughs> I've been stabbed in the stomach. <laughs> uh, no, no, there was nobody bleeding in this in the boat I'm thinking of. Oh, sorry. Uh, so they drive out to the pier, and uh, as soon as they walk in, Gar reveals himself, and like they they point some guns at MacGyver and Barbara, and MacGyver recognizes Gar right away as the guy Mister Conversatious Interruptus, <laughs> uh, and uh, basically James Bond style reveals this whole plan that he wants the pirate treasure and he's going to take Barbara. Yeah, and I have no need for you, MacGyver kind of situation. MacGyver tries to stall by saying, well, wait a minute. You don't want to kill me. I could be really useful. Uh, and while he's kind of stalling, he's looking around, and there just happens to be a bin full of styrofoam balls. Right. And, and he also has, like, not a leaf blower, but, it's like... like a, it's a vacuum cleaner with yeah, a reverse function. It's like a shop vac that yeah. he flips into reverse. And so he just throws the hose in there and just sprays them with these styrofoam balls and makes a getaway. But he they immediately split up. Yeah. Like, he, he tells her to go for help, which is very unusual. Uh, usually, like, they always stick together. I but feel this, like he's done that, though, recently. It, it makes the most sense, and it's, like, the one of the most logical things that he could have done. Yeah. Like, you go for help, I'll lead them away. Yeah. Um, And so he leads them on a chase, uh, Rogan and Bell, across the pier. But while uh, Barbara tries to start MacGyver's Jeep, which won't start... Um, Gar grabs her. That Jeep is terrible. Yeah. Anytime he needs it to start, it doesn't start. Mm -hmm. It's really frustrating. The only time he's ever gotten to winch, the winch is really useful, though. That's true. Get rid of the Jeep, just keep the winch. <laughs> um, and so uh, MacGyver hides out on this boat and uh, throws a gas can into the water to make it seem like he dove overboard. Which is weird because he probably would have been safer had he actually dove overboard right. and not hidden inside this boat. Uh, because uh, as Gar approaches with Barbara, MacGyver knocks over a can of nails inside yeah. a boat. Why is there a can of nails inside of a boat? I don't like, know. Like, what, what are you nailing inside of a boat? Well, you're just putting holes That's in it. That's for me to know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> So they know MacGyver's in this boat, and they lock him in. It's a, it's a really small boat. And uh, and uh, so they just kind of lock him in and just riddle the bottom of the boat with holes in such a way that the boat will start to sink. Yeah. And it seems like there's no way for him to get up to the front cabin of the yeah, boat. Yeah, which is kind of weird. It, it just seems like this, this like whole... he's in the boat's trunk, essentially. Yeah. Uh, there, there's nothing in here except junk in the trunk. And... <laughs> <laughs> Nailing that junk in the trunk. Yep. <laughs> Hope we got a big trunk, because I'm putting my bike in. 
<laughs> I love that line. Um, uh, and they just basically just sail off and leaving MacGyver to drown. Uh, classic villain style, not watching the actual death. Yeah. So uh, MacGyver is forced to try to figure a way out of this boat. I really it, like this, these kind of scenes mm-hmm. where he spends 90% of the time that he has available developing a plan. That yeah. plan doesn't work. And he has the last 10% to find something else. To mm-hmm. do. Yeah, because he, he tries to pry open the hatch, but it the, the pieces of wood that he's using are just breaking. Yeah. Uh, so he he takes like a, well, it's like, he calls them boat bumpers. I guess that's probably what they're called. Yeah. It's just like those rubber things full of air to keep a boat from like slamming against the dock yeah. when it's drifting on the water and he takes the bilge pump and then he basically cuts a a small hole in Mm -hmm. the bumper to plug the hose into so that he can fill the the bumper with water instead of air right and And he tucks it underneath the the bracing of the of this hatch so that if he fills it up with enough water that it'll break the hatch open exactly the hydraulic pressure will lift the hatch open or break it in such a way that he can escape. But more likely, the pressure building up inside the bumper would just push the hose out. Yeah. There's nothing holding it in. Yeah, nothing holding this hose in, unless he really fed it in there and coiled it up around yeah. in such a way. Uh, but I didn't get that impression. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter, because the bumper gives out anyway. It, the, the, the rubber's not thick enough. Uh, and I can't tell if that's... I, I feel like that's not what would happen. Mm-hmm. Because you see those things get smashed by boats and they don't pop. Like Yeah. Um, but it, it almost looks like it got scored right before they started the shot where it actually bursts mm-hmm. because there's already a line on the side of it before it explodes. Yeah. So, um, but now he's left with, you know, 10 seconds of breathing room yeah. before he can figure something out. And he finds this, um, oxygen tank that's been left behind and, uh, he doesn't know how much air is in it. He's just taking a chance on it, hoping that there'll be at least 2000 pounds per square inch mm-hmm. of of pressure, of pressure. Uh, because but when he unleashes it, it just kind of like casually floats out of frame, yeah, and then bursts, bursts through. the whole way through the ceiling, and so he's able to get out. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and then he just kind of climbs up onto the pier and sees that everyone's gone, yeah, and has to kind of reconfigure what he's going to do next. So uh, MacGyver is now back at the Phoenix Foundation with Pete and Commander Nelson. And they're kind of just going over some maps and charts and trying to figure out what the next move would be. Because the Coast Guard's been searching for the ship. Uh, but, With no luck. Yeah, no luck finding the sailboat. But Commander Nelson says they couldn't have gone far because like the ship can only go like about nine knots. And Plus she's pregnant and she doesn't even have a car. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's last week. And uh, so they start listing out some ideas where it could be. And one of the places is this island called Goat Island. And... Nelson seems to be pretty confident that they're not there because it's a minefield. It's like it's an artillery range island. But Pete, even Pete goes, but that'd be perfect. That'd be the place that you wouldn't look for him. Right. And Nelson is really kind of obstinate about not wanting to go there. Um, I don't really understand why. Um, he says he can't get permission because he's just an observer. He's just very quick to dismiss it as yeah. an option. So I guess Pete and Mac go rogue and go and do it themselves because the guy driving the boat that pete and mac are on is not nelson it's a, yeah. it's, a it's a new person and uh so the plan now is macgyver is gonna infiltrate the island uh 
like he's gonna and he donned a wetsuit and he's just gonna they're gonna drop him off out in the water and he's gonna have to swim to shore because otherwise they would see the boat pull up. Yeah, we get kind of a Doctor No moment for mm-hmm. for MacGyver coming up out of the water in the wetsuit and just right. like throwing all of his stuff trying to be covert, sneaking up onto the shoreline. Yeah, and catching a girl selling trying to selling steal seashells. Yeah. Um. Honey Rider. Honey Rider, yeah. Ursula Andress. Famous for her performance in the fantastic Bond film, Casino Royale. Yeah. 1967. Um, and uh, we're instantly given gratification in the sense that Belle is watching from this bunker and sees Pete's boat. So we we know that their hunch was right now. Yeah. Because like, they, they weren't even sure when they dropped MacGyver off if they were there. Because they had no way of knowing. Right. And by the way, I was joking before. The 1967 Casino Royale is terrible. Don't waste your time with it. Yeah. Also, why is this island called Goat Island if there's no goats on it and it's just covered in landmines? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I agree with that question. <laughs> I confirm that. <laughs> MacGyver makes his way onto shore and uh, uh, he, he takes off some of his gear. Like, he takes off the scuba tank in the water, and then when he gets on shore, he takes off his wel- weights, his welts, he takes off his weights. Right. And just throws them on the shoreline. <laughs> yeah. He's just leaving a trail, of basically, of the direction yeah. that he went. if you went. want to know where I went. <laughs> and uh, while he's climbing up the cliffside, he grabs hold of, like, a RPG rocket or a mortar shell that didn't explode, and just throws it. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, ah. <laughs> And, and uh, he's making the point in voiceover that, like, a lot of these things can be duds, and yeah. or some of them are real sensitive, and you have no idea which ones are which and mm-hmm. when they're going to go off. And then it just explodes behind him and scares the crap out of him. Yeah. And we're, we kind of cut to uh, Gar and his men kind of listening in, and, like, Rogan is, like, super nervous. He's like, there goes another one. Like, these places are so unstable. It's like, ah, it's just another rabbit for dinner. Like, like they're going to go pick up all the flecks of rabbit from that <laughs> grenade that exploded under one. Yeah. I, 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 all I can picture is like uh, Sam Wise making his uh, rabbit stew. <laughs> just, barely any meat on him because it's all been exploded. <laughs> so Mac is now making his way across this island trying to avoid some of the other ordnance that he sees. But he hits a tripwire. Right. And the tripwire triggers... or pre-triggers this yeah. landmine like it's got a little knob on it that the string is tied to mm-hmm. and uh so he yeah he clips this trip wire and you hear a click sound and then macgyver explains we go to commercial yeah. over him having tripped the the wire and then we go we come back and, and he explains that these these kind of mines click twice the first one is just to say hello which is like okay Whoever designed this mine is an idiot. Yeah. Because the, the fir- first one should kill you. <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense. But then he said, the second one is the one that says goodbye. Um, but, like you pointed out, the, the mine is in the bush, but it's facing up. It's yeah. not facing toward the trip line. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. when it explodes, it just explodes upward away from the person that tripped yeah. the line. Because he... Well, we'll see in a second here, but uh, he keeps tension on the tripwire. So that the right. switch doesn't go out. And then he so he, he runs a line away from it so he can kind of dive out of the way and be be a safe distance as it blows up. Yeah. But at that point, he lands on another mine that is pressure triggered. Yeah, it's like a bouncing Betty. Like, uh... Yeah, and that makes more sense. Right. Because you step on it and it blows you up. 
Yeah. Like this other mine, usually directional mines are very clearly directional. Yeah. Like you, you put them facing towards the tripwire. Yeah. So when someone hits it, it explodes out and sends all the, the little pellets out at you. Yeah. It's horrifying technology. But then the second one that he catches, he realizes he's got his hands pressed down on the trigger for this one. Mm-hmm. And essentially he's, his plan is to frisbee it away from himself. Yeah. Which, if it were going to explode, it would explode the second he let go well, of it. Well, he, he wedges a he, stick. Yeah, there's like a little twig inside of it. Yeah, but still that's not enough. Yeah. And... um. Gar and his men hear the explosion, and but Gar is now suspicious because he says that wasn't just a piece of ordnance. That was a that was one of my trip mines that I set up. I can tell the difference between, yeah. even though they use the same stock explosion sound for both. <laughs> uh, and so he has uh, Bell and Rogan go to check it out. Oh, I, I don't know if we mentioned that uh, Bell is played by Jeff Kober. Yeah, and uh, he most notably by me. Uh, was played the character Booga in the Tank Girl film adaptation. Right. Uh, Booga is one of, if for those who don't know, Tank Girl is one of the ruse, the anthropomorphic uh, kangaroo engineered soldiers uh, <laughs> that uh, have their own kind of little secret society uh, on in the post-apocalyptic Earth. And Booga is the subject of uh, romance for Laurie Petty's Tank Girl. Uh, this is kind of an awkward conversation, but we're going to have it. <laughs> In the original script for Tank Girl, there was a scripted sex scene between Laurie Petty and, and the kangaroo. And kangaroo. In the final cut of the film, it is implied. The sex scene is implied. Yeah. That, that I probably have. haven't seen it since this movie came okay. out. I'm guessing, yeah, it must have been right when I went to video. What did we said it came out in 95? 95, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but the sex scene is implied, but... I guess they originally wanted, like, a full rated R sex scene, including a penis for this kangaroo person makeup. And so they made it, but they never filmed it. They made the kangaroo penis. Yeah, they they made the prosthetic, but they never used it on film. They actually did use it on film, but not for Tank Girl. They used it in Boogie Nights later. (laughs) (laughs) For the last scene with Dirk Diggler. (laughs) God, that's terrible. Um, but yeah, I can't believe it actually went that far. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's so strange. Um, because I really like Tank Girl. I, th- I think Tank yeah. Girl's it's a silly but fun movie. And Naomi, I love Naomi Watts, and I, love... I enjoyed it. I always felt like it could have used a kangaroo on woman sex scene. Yeah, that was always my problem with that. <laughs> Something's movie. missing. Um... People would remember it more if that scene were in the movie. I'm gonna say that much. <laughs> Definitely I would have seen so. it since the last 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> if that scene were in it. It would be a regular. Yeah. Um, That's what this podcast would be about. <laughs> if that scene had made it. I mean, that is what this podcast is about right now. Yeah, but, but more to the point, it would, it would be about yeah. all the time. Uh, Kangaroo junk. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> It's hard to come back from that. That's Here why comes I, the segue from Kangaroo Penis to MacGyver episode. Yeah, I have no <laughs> no way of getting back to what we were talking about. Uh, Everything seems so mundane now. So what happened next then in this uh, episode? The kangaroo... Yeah, the, kangaroo, the guy. They, they go looking for MacGyver. Or they go looking for where the source of the explosion. Right. They're, they, looking for, they're looking for the explosion, and MacGyver has determined that they must be... 
in one of the bunkers right. on this island. Now, Bell and Rogan split up, and uh, Rogan immediately hits a tripwire for a landmine. Right. And so he's standing there while MacGyver kind of pops out from the bushes. Now, this is like a prank landmine, though, right? It's never revealed whether or not it is. It has to be, because MacGyver's right there. Yeah, but it just seems weird. Yeah. Like, uh, So, yeah, MacGyver is telling him, don't move, because we never see how he gets from that scene to the next scene. Right. We just see that it basically he taps he taps him in the back with a stick, mm-hmm. implying that it's a gun. Yeah. And then when we see him next, MacGyver has pushed the stick the whole way through his torso. <laughs> Ro- Rogan is like displayed, crucified on a hill <laughs> with a spear through his chest. <laughs> And Bell does not know what to make of it at all. He's looking around, trying to figure out what the trap is here, because his buddy is stabbed through the chest and just mumbling through taped mouth. This is the equivalent of the MacGruver celery stock, naked celery stock. It's like, what is happening? Yeah, this is, it's really dark. <laughs> and, uh, and so then the guy decides he's going to try and help his friend, and then mm-hmm. MacGyver takes him out. Yeah, MacGyver, I guess, had his arms through the sleeves, or some... He yeah. comes out with a punch. I don't know where he's hiding. He's like underneath him. Yeah, but but yeah, he he gets really close to him. It's kind of like in uh, in Silent World when he's like under the water by the boat and he yeah. just punches straight out into his face. Straight through the water. Or I was thinking with the reverse robe of Jack of Spies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's another good one. <laughs> um, MacGyver is the master of the fake out punch. And it's like a straight shot punch. Yeah. Like, no messing around. But so he knocks this second guy out. And then he pulls the stick out of the shirt needlessly just yeah. to let us know. He's not as impaled. a viewer. He didn't actually stab this guy through the chest. He he put a stick. Uh, he, he jammed it into another piece of wood so that it would stick out perpendicular to right. his chest, so it looked like he was stabbed. Um, but now it's pretty much MacGyver and Gar and, and Barbara. And Barbara, yeah, they're the, only, they're the only ones left left to deal with on the island. Yeah, he's got to deal with Barbara because he wants that treasure. Right. <laughs> And he's got to deal with himself because he's mm-hmm. conflicted. He's very conflicted. Um, uh, but we did mention that he he has the the push button mine. Yeah, he kept it in his satchel, yeah, which is it's a dud. Yeah, like it's 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 hollow. Or he's just assuming that. Yeah. Even though he's handled a dud already on this island that exploded after he let exactly. go. Exactly. I would not. I would. He's like shaking it, and you just hear stuff rattling around inside. It reminds me of the sea mine in Hot Fuzz. Oh yeah! Like whack it! It's like just like it's like what's happening? That guy is so great. The old man that when they do the translation scene that kills yeah. me. So now uh, Gar is totally paranoid that someone's here. Someone's here to get him. He knows he knows that this is happening. Right. So he grabs Barbara and to use her as a human shield. Right, and he's got a gun to her head too. Right. Mm-hmm, yeah, and uh, so he's looking around, and MacGyver's got the high ground literally because he's up on top of this bunker he's like 15 feet up in the air right yeah um and he's basically saying brandishing the landmine yeah he's like you shoot me i'll fall and this will blow up and he's all you're not that crazy are you (laughs) yeah and he 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 says you shoot me i'll fall and blow all of us up and then he says well you'll kill the girl and then he says yeah "Uh, yeah if i have to and she says as long as you get him yeah, and then he's like, "You can't both be that crazy, can you?" 
and then he just he throws the mine. Throws the mine and then jumps down. Yeah. So throws the mine. Gar catches the mine to keep it from landing and exploding, and then all of a sudden here comes MacGyver flying in after it, and they kind of have like this tussle on the ground. But Gar's still holding the mine, and MacGyver just yells like legitimately, "Don't yeah, drop it! Don't, don't drop, drop it! it. <laughs> and uh, Gar doesn't. <laughs> Gar has this like this total moment of panic. And then uh, MacGyver Another straight stops. shot to the face. Yeah, another straight shot. He's punched several people out today. Yeah. He's going to be... He's going to sleep tonight. But it's crazy the jump that he does, because it looks like he jumps the whole 15 feet and yeah. just lands on this guy. I, I'm wondering if there was some kind of, like, forced perspective yeah. or something going on. Making it look taller than it yeah. was. Yeah. Um, it's a cool jump, though. Yeah. And uh, so uh, that's kind of like the end of... The, the danger ma- part. The yeah. danger part, That's yeah. the end of Act 4. Yeah, we get an Act 5 um, where uh, Barbara is with one of the, the war-torn children again. Um, Are we back in Pete's office? Yeah, we're back in Pete's office playing soccer with his garbage can. Right, right. Uh, right. It's just like, what is it? Poor Pete. This is everything he, every, nothing he owns is sacred. Yeah. Um, and uh, MacGyver tells Barbara that uh, he's managed to not only secure a dive boat for that can hold 50 people. Yeah. Which... Is seems pretty big. Yeah. I mean, my even like a yacht doesn't hold fifty people. Yeah, but this can support not just fifty people, but fifty divers with all the yeah, diving equipment. And uh, and then she says, "Oh, I could maybe scrape together four or five people. I don't have fifty divers." And he's like, "Well, no problem. I have eighty-three people on loan from the Navy SEALs yeah. because they're so grateful that they've been cleared of all wrongdoing." Yeah. And uh, even even though I don't think our tax dollars. Would be going to... Yeah, there's no way they would say, yes, we'll loan you 83 full-time servicemen to search for treasure That that's uh, just profiting some, like, like in independent charity. Yeah, tax-free, by the way. Yeah, and the money's not coming back to America. Like, we're not getting reimbursed for any of this. Mm-hmm. We're going to help you find $60 million, and we don't want one penny of it. Yeah. Plus, your boat can only hold 50 people. So, you're going to... So, there's 33 bomb- people are just going to be cheering you on from the sidelines. Yeah. They're going to be super bummed that they didn't get to go. <laughs> also, why do you need 50 people? Yeah. I mean, how big are these ships? I don't, did they even have 50 people on the ships? Yeah, um, it seems like four or five people would be enough if you're able to determine from these logs where the ship went down. Yeah. You shouldn't need 80 divers. But, well, you just cover more ground that way, I guess. 80 divers. <laughs> um, and that's, uh, that's the button of the episode. I mean, just that, that we have like that thing that they... That they'll not that they'll find the treasure, but that they'll get closer to it anyway. Yeah. Um, I was I was kind of glad that it didn't end with them like, we found Finding the treasure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, that would have been that would have been a little much, but just the promise that maybe they they'll they'll find it. Knowledge is their treasure. Yeah. No. 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 That's no from the skull. non-canon Indiana Jones film. <laughs> The fan made Indiana Jones fan I'm totally referring to it as an Indiana Jones fan film from now on. That's great. Oh, man, that's perfect. Yeah. I've told you before how I want the next Indiana Jones movie to start, right? No. I want Harrison Ford to wake up in a cold sweat and be like, Aliens, that was stupid. <laughs> Like, the whole last movie was just a dream. Yeah, okay. I got it. But this is an okay episode of MacGyver. It's 
I mean, it feels like you ran the word pirates through a MacGyver episode simulator, mm-hmm. and this is what you would get. Yeah. It's like, okay, pirates. What do pirates like? They like treasure. Okay, so a woman finds treasure legitimately. Mm-hmm. Okay, the treasure needs to be going to something good. Uh, it's helping war-torn children. Yeah. Okay. What war? Does, don't. Doesn't matter. Don't. We'll, we'll just keep that vague. Okay, so MacGyver's protecting this woman from pirates. And uh, they have a treasure map, because that's not cheesy. Yeah. No, that is really cheesy. Let's make it like the logs. But wouldn't the logs be with the ship? For some reason, these ones got separated. Yeah. They, they accidentally put it in their treasure chest and <laughs> threw it overboard. Where's the log? Ah, damn it. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> so. But yeah, um, as much as, as it does seem like they followed a pretty strict formula to put it together, mm. um, I think it's still an enjoyable episode. It's got some fun MacGyverisms. And like I said, the the sinking boat thing. Yeah. I, I really love when they when they do that, like, the gotcha move of, like, oh, here's the only way to get out. And, mm. and it's getting later and later and harder yeah. and harder to change your mind. And then it's like, oh, that didn't work. Yeah, now I have no. no time left to figure something else out. And uh, and that's always a fun way to do mm-hmm. things. I think all, all the cast did a pretty good yeah. job. I think all the henchmen are pretty great in this. I, I, they're all really believable, like as part of it. Like they feel like they're they're a team that has worked together for a while. Um, I think Gar is is really charismatic, but definitely like if you'd shown me a picture of him before I'd ever seen this episode, I would have been like he'd make a great bad guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if he were thoughtfully touching his glasses to his chin, right? And I'm just contemplative. <laughs> Somewhere in like uh it's just the the building they're using for the what is it called in the in the show the the Ortega Institute no the the museum though is called the Pacific Rim Marine Museum that oh, they is go it? to when they're walking around yeah and it's it's just the Los Angeles Maritime Museum I've never been nor have I we should make a trip out there find some treasures <laughs> to start smashing open the display cases just interrupt people that are talking to each other so how much are those worth. What are you talking about? This is a model of the Queen Mary. <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually worth quite a really? lot. Really? It's very intricate. Where do you think I could buy one if I wanted to? Um, probably online somewhere. Hmm. Thank you. Sorry for the interruption. Sorry. <laughs> All right, so quick edit here. Um, I just wanted to uh, include this note because we had touched on the uh, MacGruber celery scene okay. uh, very yeah. briefly in this episode. Um, Richard doesn't know what I'm about to play for him, um, <laughs> but uh, this is a clip where we discussed what uh, what we thought was a possible inspiration for the scene back in season one, episode ten, during our analysis of the uh, the Lady General opening gambit from Target. Yeah, Guy. yeah, yeah. So here's that clip. He starts his setting up his little plans in the kitchen, which he starts with taking some carrots out of the refrigerator because that's that's the first thing he does he says oh look carrot this is promising and he takes the carrots out and right away as a macgyver viewer you're trying to figure out how's he gonna use the carrots yeah so he immediately puts them to the side yeah and starts uh setting up (laughs) you 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 suggested he might be about to pull a mcgruber yeah (laughs) but um and if you don't understand that reference you should go and see mcgruber right now and understand how vegetables can be used as a distraction um (laughs) And uh, so that was our theory as yeah. to the origin of that. Very recently, I became aware of an interview that happened exactly one week later. Okay. Between Will Forte and Bill Burr on Bill Burr's podcast. 
and uh, this conversation happened. How did you come up with the celery bit in MacGruber? I need a distraction. Like, I think and you just go was... like, all right, I'm going to get butt-ass naked and stick a piece of celery between my ass. I think we we were just watching a uh, uh I know that Yorma and John watched a bunch of MacGyvers and, and, and while we were writing and, you know, some one of us would be writing and they'd be watching stuff and writing also. And, and they saw something in there where he uh, he had had this uh, table of things laid out and made it seem like he was about to use every element of that uh, to, to cook up some kind of uh, you know, contraption. Yeah. And one of the things on there was a carrot. He said, all right, let's see what we got here. And then you cut to him eating the carrot. Right. It was just like he was hungry. <laughs> and so for some reason, it, it came from that. So I just think, <laughs> That's amazing. I, I think we deserve some credit for totally getting that right. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Which is why I think we're not that far off base in our assumption that the entire idea of the MacGruber sketch came from that that scene in flame's end in yeah the, in the radiation room mm-hmm. oh totally like the the whole the spinning light and everything yeah so i just i just thought that was worth uh pulling up for the show and cutting into this yeah th- that was that was a pleasant surprise for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh we totally called it and uh we'll continue that conversation with will forte when we have him on the show during our mcgrouper review toward yeah. the end of this uh entire podcast so yeah thank you back to the show And that about wraps it up for this yeah. episode. If you'd like to share your thoughts with us on this one, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Opening Gambit. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Phoenix Foundation Podcast. And as always, you can find us on our website, PhoenixFoundationPodcast.com. And if you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. Uh, tune in next week. We're going to be covering Season 2, Episode 16, Out in the Cold, mm-hmm. um, which is a good one. Yeah. I remember enjoying that one. I actually have no memory of this episode. Well, my, my first memory of it is just that there's there's skiing, there's mm-hmm. an avalanche that's caused, right. and someone has a microfilm. Okay. And I know it that... Like the, this sounds like the spy who loved me, but... Right, yes. <laughs> um, but uh, my clearest memory of it is is essentially the same piece of the footage that gets reused in as, as a clip in DOA MacGyver mm. when um, Pete digs him out of the snow. Okay. And then that ends up coming into play in the episode DOA MacGyver, which is also coming up very close. Yeah. So stay tuned for that, and thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you.